Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Uh, happy Thursday. Um, you have to say uh, it's really nuts out there, not because you know, of the weather, but because everybody seems to be now scrambling around to get their get their Christmas uh, lists done. Uh, it's a Thursday morning and afternoon and traffic was unbelievable and people, people were running around crazily, Russ. So I was on the PA turnpike. Like it just was just another day. Um, So let's talk about, I guess, Bruce Springsteen who sold his catalog for $500 million. It's what I found interesting about it was um, Howard Stern just had uh, Neil Young on for like this massive interview. And I'm not a huge Neil Young fan, but I respect the guy and I like some of his songs. Mm -hmm. And he recently sold his catalog to a friend. And he still has full control over it, like the final say so. So he basically sold it to a guy who can make money off of it, you know, make more money, but he still has control over it. And and it didn't say that for Springsteen. Actually, the, the, the headline for the Times was completely stupid because it was like he sold the catalog and born to run. Like, really, is that the song you're worried about um, being hey, sold? It's New Jersey's theme song, Russ. I know, but it's like of, of all the songs he has, and it's a good song, don't get me wrong. There's so many others you maybe would worry about before Born to Run. But the interesting thing was, though, like Mike had mentioned to me, Paul McCartney, uh, when he bought his catalog back from Michael Jackson after giving him what he thought was good advice to Michael Jackson, and Michael Jackson bought the Beatles catalog, didn't like that. Um, you know, he hasn't given up his yet either. And both Young and and Springsteen are, are old. Um, Young and McCartney are much older than Springsteen. And so it made me think that... Springsteen's just cashing out. Like he, I thought he was cashing out on Broadway because if you really wanted your true fans to see you, you wouldn't be charging like you know a thousand dollars for a ticket for secondary market for a hundred seats a night, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, and and Mike had an interesting take on it. He'll say it in a minute, but it just seems like he's cashing out now, and I, I'm a little puzzled by it. I I don't know. I I, I get very weirded out when music acts want it, like they sell their catalog off. I just. It, all everything about it seems very strange. It's like you're giving up control of your songs and your music, and it's just like, wow, I don't, I don't know about that. Like you mentioned, Born to Run being separate. I was like, I can't wait to hear it in every commercial known to man from here on out. Like that's because it's completely what's going to happen. I, I, I'll give you one thing, and then Mike can go. I remember hearing an interview once with Jackson Brown, and early, early on, when they were hitting up people and bands, and remember, like Genesis, Tonight, Tonight, Tonight was like Michelob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they hit up jackson brown and they wanted to do the pretender for their chicken tenders campaign <laughs> and he was just like that was probably the face he had joe like no mm-hmm. effing way but you're right now that's what we're, that's what's gonna happen well so what's mcdonald's thinking having jackson brown do no, no, jackson brown music king. for oh burger well okay what's burger king thinking it's still same question like I, jackson brown doesn't strike me as I guess burger. pretender, chicken tender, they sound close enough. Yeah, Burger King has got to think their things through because you know they have a plastic king on their on their commercial, this inanimate object. I mean, plus their hamburgers suck. Oh, um, he's very he's very animated. 
Oh, really? <laughs> the Plaster King animated. is very, very animated. <laughs> um, my, no, my issue, Kevin, what we're talking about here is uh, Bruce Springsteen sold his uh, catalog, I guess his copyright for all of his songs for $500 million to Sony. And I, my first comment, of course, since I'm not a big Springsteen fan, is that Springsteen robbed him. Um, other artists like Dave, you know, David Crosby did the same thing a few months back. I, he didn't get anywhere close to what uh, what Springsteen got, but you know, he was like, "I have a I have a family. I want to pay off the pay off my you know the house, so my wife has something." You know, he was not hurting financially, but he had things that he needed needed to pay off and. Uh, somebody in the chat just said Dylan did the same thing. Stevie Nicks did the same thing. I don't know if Fleetwood Mac has abandoned it, but Stevie yeah, I would say Dylan. Yeah, and Stevie Jack, Nicks. You know, Jackson's stuff was sold. His estate sold his stuff. The Beatles. Oh yeah, I mean the estate. Sure. Yeah. We're yeah. seeing it in sport. We're seeing it in sports too. Everybody's selling their memorabilia. A lot of top of baseball. Yeah, like Bill Russell is. He's eighty something. Yeah. Like, this is kind of early for Springsteen. I felt, and I and. Again, like the, the chat room saying, some of these other acts do need the money. I mean, I don't think Springsteen actually needs the money. And that's why it was a little surprising, too. Well, um, there's some breaking news here that will fill into our, our sub, uh, the first subject we'll talk about, which I'm sure everybody is sick of talking about, which is COVID and the, uh, and the leagues. But uh, we'll do the intro to the show here and then go with this. Uh, hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, December 16th, 2021. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen from Hockey Buzz. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. We are pleased to be joined by reporter Joe Yurden, who covers the Sabres in the NHL. Um, Joe, give us give us where people can find uh, your fine writing and your podcast. Yeah, we've got a got a well, I've got a new site called Noted Hockey on Substack. You can check that out there. I got to get back into writing a little bit more here but uh do have a new podcast as well which has yet to be named but it's uh myself and lance lasowski from the buffalo news so how do you um, identify it uh buffalo hockey podcast tbd ah okay so yeah so yeah it's like the we, washington football club of podcasts you can you, of, you could of. name it after the old department store in the buffalo area two guys <laughs> Okay. But I really like that. I like that Washington name. You know, I do. I I, I think that's actually cool. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I, I have I have no problem. I, I it's extremely unoffensive as opposed to the previous name. So it's probably going to change. I could live with it either way. Like it doesn't matter to me. All I, right. I will say this: the uh, Washington football team is a source of angst for me at the moment because there is a podcast that has controlled all search uh, search terms on Google that. I thought of, and I was like, this is perfect. And Lance agreed that I looked it up and it was, no, it's already a Washington, already a Washington podcast. We're like, all right, back to the, back to the, back to the back to stage board. one. Yeah. So um, just this, just breaking um, the NFL has changed their COVID protocol. And we saw this coming. It is possible for a vaccinated player who is asymptomatic to return to team activities by testing, by uh, by testing uh, out in as little as one day. So basically, they're saying it's okay if you have COVID. If you're asymptomatic, you can return to play. Um, mm. That's that. That's, that's the a, that's the interpretation here. That's a dangerous slope. That is well, we th we we thought. You know, because the, the there was a lot of people who were saying regarding the NFL, it's like they didn't they wanted them to stop testing asymptomatic 
players because if they're asymptomatic, there's no negative there in terms of, I mean, they can transmit it. They can transmit it to the rest of the team. Right. Mm -hmm. That's now, the negative. Now, um, it's a big negative. Yeah. yeah I, I I think so. that it's a really great. big negative. Yeah. Jeez. Now, Joe, um, let's start with you here. Um, we saw the explosion of positives um, a couple days ago on Tuesday, uh, 23 players in the span of 36 hours, a lot on the Calgary Flames. They, I saw a report from Wes Gilbertson who covers the Flames that they have confirmed that the Omicron variant was part of that group. I think it's, I think it's up to 17 or 18. 18. It's up to yeah, uh, Dylan, du Dylan Dubé and uh, Chillington uh, were, were added to the group that was uh, already in protocol. Um, a number of other teams we've seen, um, you know, situations where other players are positive, uh, Bergeron and Marchand. I mean, just give me your overall read on on the situation right now, because it's. I think there's a lot of panic going on right now. There's, I I agree. I I think there is a lot of panic. There's a lot of worry because nobody wants to shut things down. Uh, I don't think there's any appetite to do that. But if guys are getting are getting it and they're having to sit out. That's, you know, that's how it has to be. And to me, I, I, I look at this as, as so frustrating because, you know, the, the, the NHL was so proactive in getting guys vaccinated and making sure that they were basically 99.9% .9 vaccinated, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi excluded. But um, th this was something that they were very much on top of. But, you know, with, with how it works, you know, it's not, it's not a two-shot series anymore. It's three. And, you know, I think everybody's starting to figure that out very quickly uh, now that they're coming down with it. Now, I, the upside is that they don't, you know, it's not as bad, you know, being vaccinated, like the symptoms aren't as harsh most in most cases, but there's still, we still don't know how this is good, how this thing plays out in the long-term effects, because it, it does a number on, on everybody's body that, that gets this, you know, in one way or another, it's, down the road, I, I do worry about that, but you have to worry about things at the present time. And I, for the NHL, I mean, this is it's about as bad as bad can get because they got so many things ahead of them, including yeah. you know the Olympics, All Star Game, all that stuff that they got to worry about. Well, well, we'll talk about the booster shot in a second, but Kevin, um, like a a, uh, a team like Carolina who just has been hit by this, um, they had to call up some players today, and they're going to be playing with a roster too short of a full lineup. To, uh, in their in their next game, uh, and this is the reality. I know that uh, uh, you know Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman were talking on their pod on their uh, radio show this morning about you know bringing back taxi squads and about how the uh, the situation is is that you know with everything spreading so quickly and the NHL not wanting to cancel games or postpone games that that might be the reality that they have to have players on hand to replace at a moment's notice. Yeah, well, really, I think the bigger issue is the salary cap as opposed to yeah. the availability of players. Um, sure. You know that because that's that's the issue. Uh, you know, Joe's use of the words uh, worry and frustration, I think, are really appropriate because that's what I'm sensing. Um, there's total frustration from the fact that they thought they were doing it all right, and it's still messy beyond belief in terms of you know trying to get uh, players back and. Um, you know, I, I, like no one is concerned that they're going to, you know, end up in a hospital. These are, are, uh, well, uh, are very healthy athletes, uh, in the prime of their lives, but there's a considerable worry among players about what, you know, the, they're going to bring it home to their families, to their, uh, to their guests at Christmas time, to the people they come in contact with. 
Um, and it seems to be spreading really easily within the, the dressing room environment, which is not surprising giving, you know, we've been in enough dressing rooms to know that um, you can just tell by the smell that the germs uh, there are, are, are everywhere. Um, so, and it's, and it's complicated too, because, uh, and it's been more complicated by the fact, I think that there's, there's, I don't, I don't want to call it uh, overwhelming resistance, but there's some resistance to booster shots. Yes. Um, yeah. um, and I think that's causing an issue as well, where you got everyone to do the vaccination. And now, because the vaccinations and people are still getting it, vaccinated people, you hear, um, you know, some complaining among some players that say, look, you know, the vaccination really doesn't work anyway, so I'm not going to get another booster because I don't know what the impact's going to be. So I, I think it's really frustrating for all the teams. Nobody wants to cancel the season. Uh, and much to my surprise, it, it really has played some havoc now with the uh, Olympics. Um, I thought this, that the group was so fully committed. And I, I had talked to someone at uh, within USA Hockey um, just in the last 48 hours who told me that their sense was um, that the only a uh, couple of players were thinking about not going. But last night, or excuse me, two nights ago, Dylan Larkin said, or no, yeah, you know, it was yesterday. Yesterday, Dylan Larkin said, that uh, you know he has concerns about it now, and he's a leader on that team. Right. Like people listen to Dylan Larkin, so it is going to be interesting how how people uh, react. And you know, and it's the same thing that we keep hearing with the Olympics of well, just the unknown of the um, how long they'll have to quarantine if they test positive. Well, listen to this tweet that the Islanders said a couple hours ago. This morning, Barry, head coach Barry Trot said the entire team had gotten the COVID nineteen booster shot. That statement is not true. The organization has offered the booster shot to the entire team and will continue to educate and recommend that everybody consider receiving it. So there's a problem there with the Islanders now because the coach said. Yeah, that was a mixed message. Yeah. The coach and, yeah, the, and well, the organization are on different, different yeah, it, wavelengths it, there. It could, it could be that Barry Trotz misunderstood what. Yeah, I mean, that I, I, I don't think there's anything sinister there. I think Barry just. Well, sinister, but I think. Very okay, well, we, we learned two things. Even if Trotz made just an ordinary error, we now know that not everybody on the Islanders has a booster shot. Yeah, and 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 what you said, Kevin. Well, there's, there's no team in the NHL that has 100% booster shots before we right. go into it. Okay, go ahead. And what you said, Kevin, is right on. It's like, okay, all these guys got the one shot or the two shot, you know, either Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, whatever. Um, and, and now players who are – fully vaccinated or getting breakthrough cases and their mind that is, okay, I did what you asked me to do. I got vaccinated and I, and we still got it. Screw you. I'm not doing this anymore. Now that might be just the mentality of like, okay, you need to, you know, they don't want to conform. And I saw, who was it? Uh, Russ, Nick cousins yeah. um, was basically like putting up his hands and saying, maybe we should pause the league. Believe me, the, the last thing the NHL wants to do right now is pause games because they don't. Well, that's where somebody needs to step up in the locker room and say, okay, you can't have it both ways. Do you want to continue to play and get paid? Then maybe you should take the booster shot. Even if you're not fully in line with it, the rest of us are, get it. And, and this is really a problem. The fact that I didn't know that teams weren't 100% with the booster shot, that's not good. They really, at this point, they could lose part of the season or have games played late into the season and have it get worse by not doing that. Like, it's just, it's a simple thing to do. 
It really is. Well, right now, Kevin, I know that I think I think with the game that was just canceled, they extended Calgary's um, uh, pause. Saturday, yeah. Saturday's game. I think that was the what brought it up to double digits in turn of, terms of postponed games. I was I was I was telling Anthony and Russ this yesterday. If the players insist on going to the Olympics, and that's their right, you know that was what they negotiated in the in the seat with the CBA. What is to stop the NHL from saying, "Okay, you're going to the Olympics? Fine, we got to make up these games during the three week pause. We're going to make up those games. And if you're without, like, if you're Washington and you're without Ovechkin and Backstrom and Carlson and three or four other players, that's just too bad. You could be without those players if they were COVID positive. So we need to make up these games. So we're going to make them up. I, I don't think that would be allowed under the CBA, but I'm not positive of that. You could be right. Yeah, maybe yeah. not. And, and I just think, but you here, know, here's I, another I, thing, Mike, common sense wise. So now I guess you're trying to tell me, since this is something that I didn't realize because until the Islander tweet. So there are players that don't have booster shots that are still willing to go to Beijing without having a booster. Like to me, that's crazy. Well, consider it. I don't, you know, we just don't know how many there are. I just no, but know. There are, but there are players. And the right. point is, there's probably some that are willing to go to Beijing and not get the booster. And I don't understand. Well, that. I don't know. Is that, would that be allowed? I don't know what the rules are. You got to be vaccinated. Yeah. So, yeah. So they may, you may have to do that if you're it's, going over there. It's all the determination of what they consider vaccinated. And if it's, if yeah, that's one shot or three shots is considered vaccinated, then. I mean, we don't know. I mean, Joe, the, the funny thing is, is that we saw, um, you know, John Tavares came out, I think it was three or four days ago and said he had some reservations about, about going. And he started to get really, he started to get criticized on social media because, you know, okay, well, we don't need John Tavares. Then Connor McDavid, then Alex Petrangelo came out and there was nary a criticism because I think all these players you know, maybe they're willing to go because of the opportunity to win, to you know, national pride and win a gold. Mm -hmm. But there has to be, you know, if you have a young family like Petrangelo, I think he has three kids under three years old. Um, I, I think that you know, it's a legitimate concern to not go or to, to risk going and being over in China for five weeks if you test positive. Yeah, that's that to me. You know, Chinese laws. The thing that that would make me pause instantaneously about going yeah. over because you can't control whether you get it or not i mean the, the best you can do is get as vaccinated as you can and then hope for the best because if you still end up testing positive then you're stuck and i was you know i read up i forget who wrote about it maybe it was elliot who wrote up uh wrote up about it um but the but what you have to do to get quarantined there is you know it's very it's, it's very tight yeah. um and it's there's no leeway like you're not you're not messing with the chinese government you know like you're not you're not going to get a sweetheart deal from them like that's that's not going to fly so i if if i'm a player i you know especially with family like olympic time is you know that's a long break you know especially with the all-star break just ahead of it like that's a long time where you it's a short time in a in a long season where you can see your family spend some quality time with the family. And then if you're getting bounced, you know, bounced out of your, out of your lineup and having to stay in China for an extra two, three, four, five weeks. No way, man. Like, never mind your duty to your team, but like duty to your family. Like that's that everything about that would make me say, you know what, let's see in four years. Maybe, maybe we can get back to it there. Well, 
this is how quickly things are changing right now. Um, yesterday, uh, the Ontario provincial government uh, made a statement saying that uh, all gatherings of o over a thousand people, which would include Leafs games, Senators games, Raptors games, would be 50% capacity. Uh, according to Bruce Garriott, the, the those you know the MLS and E and the Senators were given ten minutes notice before uh, a conference call that the Ontario government held and had to release a statement right away. And now they're scrambling uh, to determine how they're going to tell their season ticket holders which ones will get to go to games and which ones will not. It's, it's uh, bad there, Mike. I was on a call with somebody today who's in Ontario and he said they're going to set a record for cases today. Like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're doubling every day. they're doubling every day in Ontario. Yeah. So. And and um, a guy on, on Twitter who is well connected with the media circles um was uh, who's YYZ Sports Media? He's uh, he usually gets everything right. He's pretty he's pretty he's pretty good uh, pretty uh, dead on. Um, he tweeted. He says rumblings this morning that if more teams have to reduce attendance like those in Ontario, the one million dollar planned bump in next year's salary cap is absolutely in jeopardy. So and that and I, that would have to also go with you know, I think this I think the projection was that they would be they would there would be a big jump in the uh in the cap going i think in 23 24 or 24 25 um if 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 revenue as they're planning it out right now their projection was 5 billion if that's cut significantly then you know the cap freeze basically is going to extend further than just a couple of years so in the end i think that's you know the motivation here the bottom line here is they need to make money they're going to keep playing games for as long as yeah. they can. I mean, there's no way of saying, Mike, that they're not going to stop the season at some point. There's no way of saying that right now. No. no. Although, you know, the fact that they're playing the Detroit-Carolina game is proof positive that they're going to do everything in their power to try to play. Uh, yeah. Now, I will say this, Kev. This is the one I don't get. Asking Boston to cross the border, I think there should be some of those games postponed right now until later in the season when – it's a little better of a situation because why would you have a team that's already compromised try and cross the border to play a game in Canada? Like that seems like yeah. it's, a, it's a bridge too far. You know, it is complicated though. I mean, I just sort of yesterday got my arms around, I got, I thought it was uh, an error to, you know, let Detroit and Carolina play considering they both Detroit just added to yesterday onto the COVID list. And, you know, Carolina, of course, had six. And right. um, Jeff Blasio sort of tried to explain it to everyone, saying that, you know, he, like he says, I don't know, you know, all the details about their COVID diagnosis. Right. Um, and so he said, that's what you don't know. Like, you know, all we look at is the number of players. But where are they in the process? And they do have medical consultants that look at every situation. So these, you know, he didn't say this, but he was implying is, you know, most of us want to look and say, okay, Ottawa had nine, uh, somebody had seven, so they had six. So why aren't they canceling the game? But it really doesn't have anything to do with that. It's where they are in the process. And the fact that he thought, for example, that the fact that they had no positives Carolina yesterday, right. um, which sort of indicates that maybe there's a, uh, a ceasing a halting of the spread um, is probably why they were allowed to play. Um, 
But, well, you know, as he was explaining all that, it, I mean, it just struck how totally complicated this is, you know, well, trying to sort it all out. Kevin, so. I mean, we saw Tucker Pullman with it, with uh, Vancouver, Morgan Frost for Philadelphia get pulled in the middle of games, which yeah. to, to my mind calls into question the testing process. They should have results on these guys. No. Well, see, to me, but it depends on your, what your politics are on that. Some teams, you know, have basically line jumped and cut a deal to get their results quicker, yeah. while some teams are just in the mix with the rest of us. Now, so, I mean, you you were indicating that you think it would be better if they line jumped, yeah. and some teams aren't 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 doing that. Well, um, because let me ask you this: Do you think the IIHF has line jumped? Because how in the world are players going to get two negative tests? In a 24-hour period, right, to go yeah. from the All-Star Game to the Olympics and just to get to the Olympics in general, do yeah. feel like you know they have their own system there. I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna have to they're gonna have to test when they get off the plane in Vegas and then test before they get on the plane to Beijing. So yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, it's. I mean, you could really create your own testing if you wanted to. You could just set it up and it's the so. cost. That's that's yeah. the cost. And, and the and the problem in Canada. Is apparently um, they're they're I I don't know whether it's government run or you know if I don't I don't I know that they you know because uh, just regular people in, in Ontario like reporters that I know who are having to pay 120 to 200 bucks Canadian to get a test to get on a plane to to try to travel cover and cover games um, that probably is the case for these teams and that's a you know that's a cost when you're testing every day or every yeah. other day. Well, let, let, let me set this up for our listeners who sort of understand the kind of what I'm talking about here. In the real world, in real life, um, my kids, my grandkids go to school and multiple times my kids and grandkids have had to quarantine because someone has tested positive. Right. Now, what ends up happening is my grandkids then have to be tested. And some member of our family, and it's been me a couple of times, have had to go in and be the quarantine buddies. But when we get our COVID tests, it takes 36 hours or somewhere between 24 and 36 to get it. Now, that is really disruptive to my family because it requires us all to be masked and no one can go um, you know, near them and everything else. So, you know, if I have to wait, you know, 24 hours for a family does, you know, should the NHL players be able to get these things, you know, instantaneously? I mean, they're just playing a game. You know, we're right. trying to live, live our lives. So, you know, it's it's not – there's some ethics here that, you know, have to be considered as well. So um, I don't I, – I guess my point is is I don't uh, begrudge uh, teams that say, you know, we're just going to take whatever the time is. Like, you know, your business isn't any more important than anybody else's life. Yeah, and Ter Terry, who's based in, in Ontario, says the government is controlling the testing. And I do know, like, I've crossed the border going into Canada – um, and they, you know, even though I was tested within 72 hours, they handed me another test to to uh, to do on my way up to Toronto. And I won't bore everybody with that uh, sojourn that I had to find where I had to drop off the test. But needless to say, you know, it was sort of, um, you know, you're you're over. It's a little bit of overkill when you have to test somebody who had just been tested in uh, two days before. But that's but if you're there for a week or ten days. You have to test three or four times. Right, right. That and that. Right, exactly. But. Um, that's costly. That's expensive. Just, 
just this note before we move on here, um, because we saw Bergeron and Marchand, who I think if Canada does go to Beijing, will be on the team. Uh, Drew Doughty has po- has yeah. tested positive for COVID nineteen. So you know, clear, now that's not to say you know they'll work, they can recover in a couple weeks, but um, you know, we'll, question is how long does the, the virus linger in their system, and will they clear and test negative by the time they have to go over there? It's only it's a, a, it's, a it's a shell game. I think I you know I think I honestly I think the players would have backed out. I think most of them would have backed out already if they didn't negotiate this and make a big deal out of it to say it's up to us and not the league. Yeah, Joe. I, they would, I, I think a lot of them would love for the league to have been able to say, you're not going, and then everybody could just get mad at the league and the players are out of it. But now it, it's up to them, and I think they're taking they're going to take a very long time to consider this because of that implication. And then, you know, that's what I think is going on. Uh, Joe, I think that's right. I think they got their dander up. They negotiated this. They're going to go, if it, you know, over hell and high water. Mm-hmm. But at a certain, at a certain point, you, you would think that there's going to be a bleeding of discontent with the players. And I know that like Elliot Friedman said, if, two or three players, or if it's in, you know, in the teens, then they'll go. If it's 40 or 50 players, they're not going. Yeah. It's, it's such a hard spot for the players because, because this is the one issue, one of the, one of the main issues they really battle the owners with when it comes to CBA negotiation, because they want the Olympics. They want to play in it. They want it more than most anything else, it seems. And the NHL stand on this whole thing is, you know, Gary, Gary Bettman's kind of stood back and said, Hey, it's up to you guys. You Hey, you wanted this. So you guys can make the choice for yourselves. This, you know, if, if you leave it to us, you know what our decision is going to be, right. but it's up to you guys. You got to figure it out because if you say you don't want to go, we're all about it. Yeah. Now, well, there's, and there's another issue here too, um, that, uh, it hasn't been brought up, but it, uh, I've, I've talked about it with some people is, you know, some of the guys who are thinking about not going are borderline Olympians. Now, I mean, you're still a great player when you're a borderline Olympian. But there's there's a pool of 55 players. So if player 16 on your roster is thinking about not going, you just say, you know, player 26 is ready to move in, you know, so. I do want to say this, Kev, because in the chat room, like Anthony's saying, you know, name one athlete that's been hospitalized. I can name you a lot of athletes. It's just you don't know them because of other sports. Olympic swimmer Maddie Wilson, she was hospitalized. Jacksonville running back Raquel Armstead, he was hospitalized, 24 years old. There's plenty of athletes. Alex Stalock still has a heart problem. He can't play Eduardo Rodriguez, the Red Sox pitcher, pitcher got uh, uh, the the, – a cardiac um myocarditis myocarditis yes. thank you i was drawing a blank but well, there's plenty of them yeah and i mean what do you think he recovered he recovered but there's no guarantee that you are going to recover so it, it is something that could be debilitating so i mean we'll be tracking this obviously we'll be talking about this constantly it's going to have it's going to have an effect on on every game on every team right every now. night now there's probably going to be a question about yes one or two games yeah so That's um it. Kev, I wanted to uh, you know, talk about uh, the Islanders because you wrote about them for Hockey Buzz a couple days ago, and uh, I think you wrote about them before they they lost to the Red Wings. That's or- right. Yeah, it was uh, just before the game. I finished the article, and then they 
didn't look so good against the Rams. No, and, and and see that that's the thing. I mean, I agreed with the premise of your article. Mathematically, they're still in it. If they 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 could turn things around, but you would I think you would start to see signs that they that, that they could turn it around, like with players starting to score or players players starting to play well or players getting healthy. Like Ryan Pulak's not going to be back. I think for another three weeks to a month. Um, they're not really they're not really scoring. They're 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 getting okay goaltending from Varlamov and Sorokin. I, I just don't know if they can turn it around in time to really get back in the race. Well, you know, there's a couple of things about that. First of all, I was surprised that um, uh, mathematically they weren't as far out as I thought they were. Um, you know, we had, when we had talked about it on a podcast, we were kicking around, um, you know, that they had to go, you know, like. Yeah. yeah yeah where really it was in the in the 680s i think it was 680 is what they had to right. do in order but you know if you can't beat the red wings you know you're not gonna play 680 hockey i mean the red wings are an improved team but if you're going to start a winning streak um you know you've got to start it in that game against the red wings and they're unable to do that and yeah the real issue they've got going is is their defense um, which is their hallmark. Uh, I think that can be repaired and they can get that going, but their offense, I don't know whether they can repair that or not. I mean, they weren't a great offensive team last year. Um, no, I think I, I think the push from the blue line is, is hurting because Pulak's out, but it's also hurting just in puck movement. I also think there's no chance for the Islanders to get in the top three anymore. So now you're going to be in a pool of six teams at least to try and get two wild card spots. And I think that's when you look at it playing 680 hockey, that's where it becomes really difficult. And I don't know where they're going to get the offense from. And I don't think they could simply trade for it because I think by the time they do trade for it, it'll be too late. Now, Joe, I look like an absolute friggin' genius because I picked the Islanders to come out of the East. So um, I'm, I, I'm stunned by this. I thought that they, you know, we knew that the additions of Char and Parise were supplementary secondary guys. With injuries, those guys have had to play more. I'm a little, I'm a little shocked at this. I mean, what what is your read on the Islanders' situation? I'm, I'm not entirely shocked um, because I looked at this roster. You, know, you look at the roster on paper, and I know this team is built and their system is is meant to keep things tight, and they're supposed everything's supposed to be low scoring, but. All it takes is one or two things to go wrong, and that can all go sideways. And it's been four or five or six things have gone wrong for the Islanders so far this year. Right? You know, they take a swing with Parisi and Chara. I get it. They had to, they had to get some cheap veteran options in there because they're tight to the cap. And you know, who knew Zidane Chara was going to magically turn old like right away? I mean, I I don't know how much of that was being covered up for in Boston. But how but many blinders looks, do you need? You've got Johnston. You've yeah. got. You know, it's like well, that's the, playing... that's the yeah, that's the thing with the Islanders though is like their their bottom six, like their bottom nine is almost like a bottom six because yes. they don't they don't have a lot of juice to their to their lineup, and you know they lose Everly to Seattle in the expansion draft, and it was kind of like what are you doing? And it's because they gave the contract to Paul Mary, and Paul Mary's had a rough year, so I, everything that they've wanted that they thought was going to go right has not gone right in any way, and you know it's. It's tough. I mean, if any team can can bounce back and, and get it turned around, it's a it's a trots team um, because they are getting good goaltending. Sorokin's look pretty pretty good, but like he's he's getting hung out now. Martin, like, what are, what are they going <laughs> right. to do for you when you can't score? 
Right. That's, that's where they're at. And, you know, you look at Anders Lee's numbers, he's got only eight goals. He doesn't have any assists, you know, you know, Oliver Wallstrom's done. He's having a nice start to a season, but he's like, actually done well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you know, Barzell's Barzell. So you, you get what you get from him, but the, the scoring totals are so low um, that it doesn't take, it doesn't take much to, to jump up the list. Only, I think only Arizona is worse in scoring than they are. Yeah, yeah, and there's, you know there's, their cap situation is just it's so bad, and there's a lot of bad money on that team. There's yeah. uh, two indicators on that team that I think really s- sum up their struggles. Um, going into that Red Wing game, Josh Bailey had 14 shots on goal for the season, and four four had come in the the game before the Red Wings. Wow, um, you just can't get any shots and. Brock Nelson leads that team in goals, and he's missed seven games. So. Yeah, no, they have 51 goals. They're 31st in the league. Arizona's got 50, uh, but the, the Islanders have played four less games, so you would assume that they would score. But they're 13 goals behind tw- behind 30th place, Montreal. So that's how far behind they are. So, yeah, not 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 good. Now on the injury front, um, it, it appears Russ from the reports that the Rangers may have dodged a bullet again with uh, with uh, a key player, Shashurkin. It looked like he was seriously injured, and then he was only out what a week or, or yeah, something. like seven. Yeah, yeah, but he's not in there yet, is he? I, I thought he, he, he wasn't in well, there last they, night. They played they played Keith Kincaid last night, so he's Correct. still out. But they're they're saying he's close to being back. But but you know, it still could end up being like seven to ten games before he comes back. It just won't be like for most of the season, like it looked like it was going to be. But well, with playing four games a week, if you're out two weeks, it's eight games. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Panarin got hurt last night and they yeah. went over Arizona. But uh, Gallant is saying it's a minor low bo- lower body injury, but. You know, based on what he said about uh, Shashurkin, I mean, what what's the Rangers mind? will always downplay it, so it probably is minor to the degree that yes, he's not going to miss significant time, but again, Shashurkin has already missed enough time for the Rangers to go from really hot to starting to you know back to playing like a little inconsistent. Like against Colorado, sure, it's a tough game. But they barely beat Arizona yesterday. Arizona gave them all they could handle and probably handed the game to the Rangers, to be honest. So, you know, now you – you and, and look, and I like Keith Kincaid, and I, I advocated for him to get in there simply because he was doing well in Hartford. But you know that there's an end game for that. And they're probably thinking, when is the right time to bring in Chester Durkin? Because you don't want this injury to come back. That's the thing about goalies is with the re- repetitious injuries – you know, that's where it gets a little, you know, scary. Now, Joe, there is no bigger cluster F in this league than the Buffalo Sabres goaltending situation. Um, Craig Anderson, he was 41 years old. They signed him and Aaron Dell in the offseason. Anderson played well until he got hurt. Now, I don't know if he'll, uh, he's ever going to come back. Uh, Aaron Dell has, you know, I think, I, I have heard, I think, I think he actually, you said that he was, he was, uh, he came to, camp not in the greatest of shape uh and he has not played well for them uh Tukarski has played a bunch of games they trade for Malcolm Subban and now and then last week they called up Uka Pekalukunen who I, I don't think they really wanted to call him up because I think they wanted him to get some experience down with Rochester because he's only played about like 40 45 pro games in the ECHL and AHL he plays great in in I think two of the games 
And now, now it's like, oh my God, we've got the savior. It's Puka Uka Pekka Luka. I mean, okay, we talked about this yesterday with Anthony on the show. If they keep him up, this is the same mistake that Philadelphia made with Carter Hart when he was not fully developed. And I don't think Lukanen is fully developed right now. So what do you think the Sabres mindset is regarding Lukanen? No, I don't think he's going to stay up. I think he stays up as long as Tokarski is out. I think that's that's where the line is drawn. I, I'd be shocked if Aaron Dell plays another game in Buffalo, uh, for, for one thing. Uh, that's, I mean, that's gone as bad as it as bad can get with him like that's 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 an incredible letdown uh but in Lukanen's case he's played I it, it seems like a revelation because he's given them competent goaltending never mind that he's played well it's just been it's been extremely competent you know as as opposed to what we've seen from almost everybody else um but he's the need for games for him is so strong he needs the minutes and he needs the games and his his AHL season has been pretty roller coaster i mean there's been yeah. a there's been a handful of games where he's just looked pretty bad and you know seth appert i mean listen he's he's sticking by his guy he's gonna play he'll play him as much as possible so that's that, that which hey that's a good thing and appert knows goalies so that's that's also a bonus so uh they they need they need him to keep playing which i mean hey if he plays again tonight, that's not a surprise. It certainly seems like he's going to. But what, again, what if Tukarski is out for three weeks? They're going to play Lukin in for the next twelve games. Like they have other goalies. Well, yeah. is back healthy now. He's yeah, big. yeah, but he yes. hasn't played yet. Well, no, but like he jammed his foot pretty pretty bad against the uh, against the post. I'm honestly surprised he's back as quickly as he is. Yeah, it does uh, seem like they're making convenient excuses to give Lukin in time up there. Maybe even. For the head coach's benefit, so you know he could see what a team looks like with decent goaltending. But again, you do have to. He he hasn't even played more than like 15 games in a season, Lukanen, and and that mm-hmm. that's really the worry is the yo-yoing and the fact that you know he hasn't even had like a string of like 20 starts, you know, anyway. Well, again, that's that's not really his fault though. I mean, uh, you know, I think about his his first you know his first pro season. They wanted him to play in Cincinnati as much as possible, and mm-hmm. they had they had injury problems in Buffalo, which means guys from Rochester get bumped up, which means guys from Cincinnati have to go up. And you know that at the time, Jason Bottrell and 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 uh, uh, Randy Sexton had said that you know this was part of their plan. They wanted him to play games in Cincinnati and Rochester, but it was a little difficult to believe because of how things were just playing out right. uh, with, with injuries. So, um, but I mean. You know the COVID shortened season. You know he's cut. You know comes back from double hip surgery after he leaves Sudbury. You know and you know last season was just all kinds of weird because he ended up being uh, he ended up being like a uh, uh, taxi squad guy yeah. essentially because of the because they again they had they they played about eight goalies last year too. So they you know this is this has been a never ending circus for them and. Listen, Lukanen provides them hope that this the circus can stop at some point, which is which is what they what they're hoping to get out of him. But you're right, he needs to develop. He needs his minutes and he needs his games. Getting him at the NHL level and having him play great is is fantastic. Right. But he's yeah, to have him be the guy the rest of the way the season. That's not the answer. Yeah, because they're following yeah. that they're following that pattern with Quinn and with Krebs. They're still down mm-hmm. in Rochester. You know, Quinn is. I don't know if he's still leading the AHL in scoring, but he's probably up, still up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Krebs started slow, has turned it around. It would not make sense to you know to keep you know have a slow development plan with them and to rush Lukanen, especially in right. a year where. 
you know, there's nothing, they're not making the playoffs. I know they don't want to get killed, but they're not making the playoffs. So develop the guy properly because three, four years down the line, if he's developed properly, he could be the your franchise goaltender. So, well, there's, there's also the part where, uh, you know, they're stressing so much about development now with the Sabres, which, you know, that's been a buzzword for you know, about eight or nine years, but they actually mean it this time, it seems. Um, but if you're, but if you're keeping Lucan it up there because he gets hot, you know, I don't know that it sends exactly the best message to those to guys like Quinn, especially that you know he's played over you know over the moon about. Yeah, how he's, he's going to be like, where's where's my bonus here? Why right, exactly. So like that that you know guys that are that have been like steady, consistent, and great. You know, Quinn's one of them. Uh, Krebs has stepped up now. Paterka's another guy who's played very yeah, well Turk down there. Good. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been dynamite, and it, you know, Matias Samuelson as well. Since he's come back, like he's been great as well but they don't want it they don't want to elevate these guys right away they want them to play together they want to to develop together which that's what it should be that's how it should be but they're they're so over a barrel barrel with the goaltending that they you know they're they're forced to to do with lucan and you know and i mean it's nice to have a guy that can step in and play well Mm -hmm. but uh but that that's not the ideal situation they want for him they want all those guys playing together so that when they do come up and who knows? Maybe they all come up together next season. Maybe that's maybe that's the way it plays out. But they they at least they're going to have that chemistry. They're going to have that winning under their belt. All the stuff that you want for developing a team, they're going to have it. And it's let, also- me de- let me let me dump a little criticism on Kevin Adams on this though. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I think you can make a case that Kevin Adams has been better than we thought he was going to be for a good, for a general manager um, who. Um, didn't really didn't have any experience. And I think even when he was hired, I think most people, I know my take was, and I, I wasn't alone in this. Hey, look, maybe he's going to be a good general manager. Our criticism was it wasn't the right time to to bring him in. This, right. this situation required a, a guy with some experience in dealing with all that. But I think his one failure is, and I look at it in comparison to the Red Wings, what Steve Eisenman said is we're going to develop our own goalie. We're going to develop this team. But while we're doing that, I'm going out and getting competent goaltending because I want my guys to be up here with a chance to win games now and then. And that's what he's done. He's brought in, he brought in veteran guys. He had Bernier, he had Grice, he kept Grice this year. He went out and traded for Nedeljkovic because he wanted to make sure that when his young guys came up, at least they felt confident with what was going on behind. And I saw him out scouting yesterday, Kevin. Yeah, well, now, my point of all that is, shouldn't Kevin Adams have at least thought outside the box and said to his guys, get me the best free agent goalie out of Europe, the best AHL goalie, give me something different. Look, we're not going to be able to convince anybody here in the NHL to come and join us. We're a bad team. But I didn't see any extraordinary effort. They did not. They I, did I, not have. They did not have a plan B after Allmark went. Right. To the that's Bruins. what I was going to say. They mm-hmm. scrambled at, the, at you know hours after and signed the first two guys they could get. You know, and, and Dell and Anderson. I mean, everybody thought Anderson was going to. Everybody knew Aaron. If you watch this show, I've been telling you Aaron Dell's done for two years, so it can't be a shock. That he's played horrible this year. They, like, they, had, they, had, they had no plan. They, they, I think they threw money at Omar, you know, thinking that Omar would, you know, because I think they offered him more than what Boston offered him. And I don't know if it was four years. I think it was, I think it was over the five million, Joe, or it was close to it. 
But yeah, I, I I think it was a three year offer, and I think Boston stepped up with four, and that's that's what that's what swung the deal. Um, also, you know, the fact that Buffalo is going to be back, you know, if they're offering them three years, right. if I'm all Mark, I'm saying like, well, when are we going to be good in those three years? Right. You know, I, you know, I've already been here for, for multiple seasons and it's been awful. So, you know, getting to see the good life in Boston is I'm certainly more appealing, especially when you're getting, where you're getting four years to do it. Yeah. Um, I just want to talk about this, uh, cause we've seen over the last few days, video of Jack Eichel skating. And now there's been talk, Joe, about, you know, Eichel returning as soon as January, which is way, way ahead of the, uh, now Russ asked a good question, Russ, uh, regarding, regarding Eichel. It's like he, 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 we were talking. My basic thing is, and I thought about it even a little further, Mike, shouldn't they have like a crash test dummy that is the, has the makeup of Jack Eichel and let Pacioretty kind of plaster it in the corner a few times before they let Jack Eichel take the ice and actually take contact from guys in the league because MMA being an MMA guy is way different than being an everyday NHL guy. It's different on your body. It's a lot. It's, you know, MMA guys work out every day, but they're not in matches every day. Jack Eichel will essentially be doing this every day, have guys going after him every game. And we don't know how this neck is going to hold up. So I'm kind of wondering how are they going to guess when that's ready for that kind of contact, because there is no there is no drawing board for that. Nobody knows. And is all this? Well, he's gonna be back in January. All tied to well, I he wants to go go to Beijing, which may not. Have, you know, I'm I'm wondering if the NHL says we're not going to the Olympics, or the players say they're not going to the Olympics. The Olympics. All of a sudden, uh, Eichel's timetable changes until you know, February or March. Yeah, I, I Jack's Jack's one like he's he wants the Olympics so bad. He wants he wants to go so bad, and that that was a big reason why the frustration with with how long it took for the trade to happen was there because he was like he's like guys, you know, trade me so I can get the surgery done so I can get you know get back for the Olympics. Um, but like this time frame right now, because he was operating on what what it was what three days after he was traded, it seemed like yeah. three or four days. So that was like what second week in November. Yeah, uh, I want to say around Veterans Day that he had the surgery. I think. Yeah, so I, I, I think we're getting, you know, I think in that t- that time around January is around the pretty close to the time when you you start thinking like well, you could be ready now. Um, but I mean, if you're doing it, you know, after if you're doing it after you know at the end of January, then it's kind of like, all right, like what you know, what's what's the plan here? What are you doing? But um, but if I, if I'm Vegas, I'm I'm nervous, I'm really nervous about that. But you know, if he can go. And he, you know, if he can, if he can get some of those full contact practices and then, you know, get a feel for it, I mean, hey, good for him. I mean, there's nobody who's, who's more fit and stronger than, than Eichel out there. There's very few. He's just an, he's just an absolute specimen. And the, the fact that he's, that he's busting his hump as hard as he is, I mean, he's got a lot to prove. I mean, I, I don't know what he, I don't know what else he's got to prove, but he's, he's, he's certainly got, he's certainly got a chip on his shoulder to, to show Buffalo, you know, what's what, but. Um, but I, I, if I'm, I'm Vegas, I'm nervous that if he's pushing it too hard, but I got a feeling that they got I mean, the right people though, Joe. I mean, yeah. him being in great shape has nothing to do with his neck really. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's a freak thing, but I mean, every it's a freak thing for everybody out there. Like something stupid could happen in any game and that could be it. So, um, so I, I get it. Like I, I totally get it, but I get Jack is, he's probably been gnawing at it to get, to get back playing again for, for months now. 
Yeah, and and Vegas. Uh, you know, I, I have to give them a lot of credit. They've been able to weather the storm. You know, they got Pacioretty and Stone back. Stevenson has played really well between mm-hmm. them. He's like a point a game. Yeah, I know. He's, I couldn't but believe his points. I, I think that's been one of the biggest stories in the league. Yeah. You know, and we all sort of point out to Chandler Stevenson as look who they've got to play at center. I right. just saw a story on uh, Hockey Now, Vegas Hockey Now, and the headline was essentially – you know, that Chandler Stevenson said he's not conceding number one center to Jack Eichel. <laughs> and and I, I love that. I yeah. absolutely love that. And, you know, in the back of his mind, he's thinking, well, yeah, he's going to come in here and I'm going to be number two. But you got to love the spirit of someone who said, and to be honest, you know, it may yeah. not be best to put Eichel number one anyhow for a while. It may be better right. to kind of leave it alone. Yeah, yeah, like he, he's my new favorite player uh, after, <laughs> after reading him, that. I just I just think that's great. He's played let great. Him, let, let, him play with, great. let him play with Marsh so and Riley Smith for a while. But, um, now, okay, Kev, you know that I always hesitate to toot my own horn. But uh, right now in the Western Conference, in eighth place, one point ahead of the Winnipeg Jets are the Edmonton Oilers. 16-11, they've lost six games in a row. I watched them play Toronto on Tuesday. I was thoroughly unimpressed. Um, McDavid and Dreisaitl, if a team, and it's easier said than done, if a team can limit them, and they were limited to five shots on goal in that game, the, there is there is no plan B after McDavid and Dreisaitl. Now, you can say on most nights a team doesn't need a plan B because they're two of the best players in the league, and I wholeheartedly agree. But their defense is substandard, at least right now it is, and their goaltending without Mike Smith, with Koskinen and Stuart Skinner, is abysmal. Let, um, me, give you, let me give you one statistic. Okay. They're, and I hope I'm right on this, but I think I am. The five-on-five uh, five save percentage of the Edmonton Oilers is 917. The five on five save percentage of the Buffalo Sabres, a team we just talked about, how awful their goaltending is 917. Um, you know, they're they're just not performing at five on five. The goaltending. You know, the, other, the other problem might be with them, Kev. And look, and I picked Winnipeg out of the playoffs, so I'm not shocked. I think they've tuned out Maurice. I think Maurice will get fired after the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tippett, Tippett is also a lame duck coach. He doesn't have an extension. You kind of wonder after a while, and they're not going to have a replacement for him, so I'm sure he's finishing out the season, but it's never a good idea to let a guy finish out the season and not have given him extension. That never that – I shouldn't say never, but it doesn't usually work out well. How is – I? what I don't get about – I mean, I, we should get it by now, is that their whole plan has just been like McDavid – take over and then dries it blows up and it's like okay we got two guys right and they have never filled in the ranks behind them yeah, they're in year with, seven with of Tom McDavid. like and, and joe this is this you know uh, i you know zach hyman is an excellent player it was a great it was a really good signing but again you made this roster you you re-signed Nugent Hopkins. You signed Hyman. You made the their roster more top heavy. They could have the worst third and fourth lines in hockey. Uh, you know, right now with injuries on defense, they're playing guys I've never heard of. Now they do have you know Evan Bouchard is a good young defenseman. Broberg maybe maybe may in the NHL by next year or the or the year after that. So they have some players coming, but. 
I'm I'm baffled by Ken. I know that Ken Holland finished second in the in the bidding for Markstrom. He finished second in the bidding. I think he was in in on Grubauer. At a certain point, you just got to say, I got to get myself a goaltender, and they still haven't. Yeah, they they've had so many, but it's it's not a matter of just like fixing one thing with that. Yeah, it's multiple. It, it's it's always multiple yeah. little fires, and then sometimes one of those fires is a lot bigger than the others. Goaltending's yeah. been an issue for them forever. Uh, you know, I listen. They got faked out pretty pretty hard by Mike Smith having a really solid year last year. I mean, I I'll not take that away from him, but the fact that they you know that they kind of I don't know how much they kicked the tires around in free agency, but they were, you know, they were very okay with keeping Smith around. If which it is never a good idea with a goalie with that much age. Like we did, right. it was a talking point for for a lot of us for sure. I mean, I, I and Smith's and Zach injury Hyman, history and Zach on top Hyman of that could be hurt now. Imagine if Zach Hyman's out for a month. Yeah. So I, I mean, they, just, but they've had no depth forever. They, I mean, it's their draft history is so eerily similar to the Sabres where the, you know, they cash in on the first round picks and they get nothing out of the next, the next six rounds, right. but they don't have anything behind them to, to help out. I mean, you know, I, I, they they should be excited about Evan Bouchard, but it feels like we've been waiting on him for a while. Oh, he's playing show well. Up. He's yeah. Playing so well. I, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens with, with this, but like, it's just putting it all on McDavid is just problem. it's too much. Yeah. Like, and I wonder at what point Connor's gonna look at what Jack did and say, like, you know what, maybe the guy had the right idea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and finally, Kev, uh, the biggest surprise in the league continues to be the Anaheim Ducks. They're uh, 39 points tied for top spot in the Western Conference with Minnesota. Um, you know, they're you know the, the young the older players like Shattenkirk and Getzloff until he got hurt are playing well, um, but it's the it's the kids it's Terry yeah. it's Zegris it's Drysdale, I mean I, I I thought this would end I thought this would like okay this is a flash and you know by the thirty five game mark or forty game mark they'd be back you know, like in the bottom part of the of the Pacific Division they're at t- on the top of the Pacific Division. Yeah, and it's it's really a. Um uh endorsement too for learning on the job like Zegris and uh, Drysdale didn't roar out of the gate um you know there was some bumpiness there at the start of that but the uh, mm-hmm. ducks stuck with them and uh they've been rewarded by that but you're also right on when you say guys like Shattenkirk um and Getzlaff was the biggest surprise of all yes. I think I mean honestly he, he was so good uh and you know sometimes Older players, I've seen it in you know in my career, they get rejuvenated by having young lions around. Yeah. Um, you know, Zegras is funny. Uh, you know, we've heard the story of him and Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, you know, he's got a sense of humor. He's and I'm sure Getzlaff uh, was amused by all that. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I one other guy to, that I want to mention from that team too is Anthony Stolarz because yeah. like when the Flyers drafted him. He had a lot of talent. He came out of the North American Hockey League. I had seen the guy. I was like, you know what? This guy's big. He's physical, and he knows how to play in net. Then he had a lot of injuries. Right. And I give Anaheim credit for sticking with him because he hasn't played a lot of games. Right. He really hasn't, but he's been impactful as a backup for Gibson who doesn't need a backup that needs to play a lot of games. Like That's the reality is they play Gibson a little bit more than most goalies would play now as a starter, and – Right now, that's working for them. That tandem's been really, really good. And they got three three guys who are making salary drives in Raquel uh, Lindholm and um, um, 
one other defense. Oh, Josh Manson. So yeah, that's a problem for next year, though. Well, yeah. so, no, no, but I'm saying that you know they're play. I think they're playing basically mm-hmm. a new contract, and that's always a good motivator. But Joe, I heard something today regarding Eichel and regarding Anaheim um, that, that Elliot mentioned because they were talking about the Eichel trade, and they said that you know Anaheim was in it to the very end, but Anaheim had an issue with the the disc replacement surgery. So that in the end took him out, but also what took him out was what Buffalo was asking for uh, Eichel. They, they asked for, and this is obviously before they started playing like this. They asked for Zegras, Drysdale and two number one. <laughs> I, I listen, you don't get into a negotiation and start at the middle of the road. No. no. Like that's you don't do that. I mean, sure, yeah. If I'm if I'm the Ducks GM, I hang up the phone and say like, get, be a little bit more realistic and yeah, back. yeah. But like, but yeah, still, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's juicy. But like, yeah, you know, Eichel's the number two pick in the draft, and you know, you know, I top ten years ago, years ago, as far you know? as like, you didn't have to. It, it's not that much of a reach that both of these guys are turning into great players. No, really but I, I don't think that's an unreasonable starting point. I'm with Joe. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, no, I plus you know, I mean people are forgetting Eichel was eighth in MVP voting two years ago. Sure. He was he was friggin' great with that team. And you know, the team was bad. I Eichel, Eichel carried them on his back, the back to that. But I'm yeah. gonna need to see proof and need to see it with my own eyes. Yeah, okay. if I if Eichel's it's not anything about him or his or his ability or his willingness, mm-hmm. it's just about hey, can he overcome this? That's all right. If Eichel's back to hundred percent and you put him as a one two uh, you know, a, a number one or number two center on Vegas. I mean, there there are no limits. I mean, they've made yeah. conference finals without him, and if he's healthy and anywhere close to what he's been with the Sabers, then they're they're in excellent shape. But by the, right. by the way, Mike, just one more thing on the Ducks. Can we can we give an attaboy to Dallas Aikens coaching? Yeah, because I, I will because so, I've been critical like, of him in the past. So yeah. yeah, I mean, he did so great in San Diego after you know getting kind of burned out with the NHL, and then mm-hmm. now he's showing up here with the Ducks, and they're doing great under him. I, I'm psyched for him. I mean, we all kid around with the, the veggie platters and whatnot, but like, I don't know, man. Guy, guy can coach. Yeah, no, he did. He did a great job with the Marlies. It, you know, it did not work in Edmonton, and uh, and now in with Anaheim. And I, you know, I think he's. I think his contract is up at the end of the year, so he's hit. He's they're they're, they're doing well at the exact right time for Dallas Aikens. So yeah, yeah, I, I agree. All right, uh, great show, guys. We'll be back tomorrow with the uh, another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Joe Yurden, for Kevin Allen, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.